Thank you very much, Patrick. Let's pray, show, as we look at that scripture, and do keep that open as we look at that together, especially verse 16. So, Heavenly Fathers, we've already prayed. Um, we praise you that you are uh, the God of all, the very um, snow, ha- uh, snow stores, as it were, in heaven are, are held by you, but above all, that we praise you for Jesus um, and for the cross and its power. For this gospel is good news, and may this good news speak to our hearts, strengthen us, transform us into Christ's likeness, and be for us the very power of God for salvation today and always. Amen. Well, Rob was slightly shaking his faith when he arrived at university. Um, But the local church arranged for a a student worker to meet up with him and support him um, on a weekly basis. And his faith, through that experience, became strong. And in fact, he went on to become himself a a gospel preacher and a church leader today. Well, Jo, she had a difficult time in her family background, but was invited by a friend to a mum's Bible study in her church, something she'd never experienced before, uh, really very much a stranger to the gospel, Um, But that experience transformed her understanding of Christ, of his love for her, and uh, she became a Christian and began reading the Bible every night to her children as well. You see, this message, what in our readings called the, the good news, the gospel, it is good news and not good advice. The Christian faith is good news, not good advice. And stories like those remind us that This message, these words have the power to change lives in a deeper way than um, any other good news that we might ever hear. And that's why verse 16 of that reading is our verse for the year this year, as we think about our vision for 2018. Um, You've got it there in front of you. I'm actually going to read it from the, the more modern, the 2011 New International Version, which is the one that we're using on our vision card. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation. See, slightly different there, isn't it, from the ones you've got in front of you this morning. That brings salvation to everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone that believes. So to see how that good news does that, how it shapes our lives today and how it shapes our church life as well today, I've just got two questions this morning as we look at this verse and our vision this year. Here are the two questions. What is the good news? How does it change lives? How does it change? How does the good news change lives today? So question one, what is the good news? Well, Paul says he's not ashamed of the gospel. And you kind of think, well, there must be a reason. He says that something's tempting him to be ashamed. And we know from Romans and from the New Testament that he was living in the ancient world of Greek philosophy, very clever ideas. Also, he was writing to Christians in Rome, the center of the empire, where Christians were beginning to experience hostility, because they named Jesus as king. Um, So the temptation they had, really the same as we have today, to be afraid of the hostile words and actions of our culture when we name Jesus. Do you know that feeling? 
or just to be ashamed of a message about a man who died on a cross in the modern world with all of our clever ideas today. But Paul says he's not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. So he's not ashamed, and I've put four reasons here why he's not ashamed um, in our reading this morning. He's not ashamed of the gospel because of its source. It is from God, he says. If you look at verse 1, he says, I've been set apart for the gospel of God. This is not, this message, man's ideas, philosophy. It's not Paul's invention. It's God's message. It's source. He's given his stamp of origin to the words about Jesus. That gives it an authority and a power, the power of God, that nothing man-made can match. He's not ashamed because of its subject. It's about Jesus. Verse 3, the gospel was promised by God beforehand through the prophets, the Old Testament scriptures, regarding God's son, Jesus. And in the world of men, he's a descendant of David, the Messiah, as promised. And in the world of God, spiritual things, he is God's son. And declared that, um, proven to be that through his resurrection, says Paul, from the dead. So as God's son, Jesus dies in our place to redeem us to the Father and then rises again to give us his new life. That's the subject, Jesus. The secret of the gospel, you might have seen there, verse 16 and 17, Paul says in 17, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed that's by faith from first to last. Something that was hidden has now been made plain through Jesus. That's what he's saying, isn't it? What was hidden? Well, he says it's the righteousness of God that comes to us by faith. Righteousness of God. God's wonderful, loving, just, righteous way of making us right with him when we were unrighteousness. God's righteousness. God make us right with him. And that comes to us not because of privilege or birth or anything we've done, but by faith. That's the secret. It's now an open secret revealed. In Jesus, in the gospel. Right with God by faith. And then lastly, it's scope. It's universal. It's for verse 16. Everyone who believes. The power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Paul is Jewish. So, of course, was Jesus. So were his first followers. Uh, And yet, God set Paul apart to bring the gospel, the good news, to Gentiles. To the rest of the world so that everyone may receive salvation through faith in Christ. So here's the message of Jesus, the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And I think in a culture today where um, we have this culture of experts, of cliques, um, and a culture where we have this thing that we can all make our own mind up about what we believe and the way to God and what works for us. Uh, This is really good news, isn't it? It means that um, what a relief God hasn't left us in the dark, but he's actually revealed to us the way back to him, the way to be restored to God has been made plain. What a relief that is. That's good news. And 
In a culture of experts, and, and the privileged few who have the access to status and power, again, what good news this is, that there is no status, no difference in the kingdom of God. Everyone who simply receives Christ is brought on equal terms to God. Our communion this morning reminds us visibly of that. The ground level before the foot of the cross. Regardless of our age, our gender, um, our nationality, our social group, our ethnic identity, everyone who believes. Nothing else in the human race does that. So this Vision Sunday, we're filled, aren't we, with gratitude to God for his gospel about Jesus that puts us right with him, whoever we are. So here's my second question. Having said what's the good news, it's this. How does the good news change lives? And uh, we're going to see three ways it does this. Verse 16 um, is where we are. It really helps us here. Over recent months, we've been praying as a church about uh, who we are as a church and our vision moving forward. And we focused upon three ways that the gospel changes lives today. Um, And each of those three ways we'll see has a corresponding goal that we've set. And you'll see it on the vision cards, which are in packs for you as you go out this morning. So make sure you pick that up this morning. If you're on our electoral roller membership, there's one with your name on it. Um, but do take, if, if you're in a couple and one of you's here this morning, take one for the other half. Um, and if you are not yet a member, a lecture roll member, there are spare packs there as well. I would love you to have one too if you also feel committed to supporting our church. So here's the first one it includes everyone. Paul says in verse 14, he feels a debt, he's a debtor to Gentiles, to non Jews. God's given him a responsibility to share the good news with the world, with Gentiles. And he doesn't just mean they're um, particular Gentiles, those from his ethnic group or from the Middle East, for instance. He says, I'm indebted to both Greeks and non-Greeks, to the wise and the foolish. He's kind of saying, every kind of Gentile you could imagine, those that speak Greek and those that don't, the word was barbarians, literally, those for whom it's a, it's a second language, um, and those who know philosophy, the clever ones and educated, and those that don't, the foolish. There is no difference, no distinction. The gospel is universal. It includes everyone. And that's why our first goal, as we put there, is that we want to refresh our welcome for Everyone. Everyone who finds out about us, knows someone at the church, comes through those doors for the first time. Children, adults, church background and none, men and women, educated and not particularly Anglo-Saxon or speaking English as a second language, whoever it might be. And Lord willing, we want to express this gospel, this inclusive gospel, um, practically by increasing the number of people involved in the, the formal welcome building our teams, and there's a meeting about that this afternoon, Um, but also by making welcome just part of our culture. We welcome each other, don't we? Before, during, after, services at groups and so on. In years to come, we'll look at wider ways um, that our church vision can shape us as a church, and we pray, therefore, our city and beyond as well. 
Uh, we, we'll talk about church planting and that in a few years' time, or how we can resource other churches and Christians. But for now, getting our welcome right, and then coming on to our second point, getting our disciple-making growing, I think are going to be our priority for the next year or two. Building, if I can put it this way, I'm a healthy and strong heart for the church, because we can't run unless we're walking healthily first. So, refreshing welcome, and secondly, and I think most importantly at the moment for us, the church, the gospel brings salvation to everyone who believes, and by this I mean, in this point, Christians, us, as church members. And we'll see what I mean by that um, in our second goal there, raising and resourcing discipleship in a second. So verse 16 again. The gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. And that means including those who already believe. That's the point here in this second heading. Paul said in verse 15, he's eager to preach the gospel to the Christians at Rome. And the word there literally, I want to evangelize you church members, he says. And you think, that's a bit odd, because we, we think of evangelizing as reaching people who haven't yet heard about Jesus, don't we? Reaching lost people. That's what he says here. I want to preach the gospel to you church members at Rome. And he says this because Christians, we need to hear the gospel too. Paul wants to come and, as he says, strengthen the faith of the Christians in Rome. They already believe in Jesus, but he wants to help them to go on believing, to believe more, to help each other to believe more. The gospel's for Christians just as much as it is for those that aren't yet Christians. And that's our second goal, you see. We want to raise and resource discipleship. That's what we mean here. Following Jesus We want to help each other to follow Jesus and resource each other in doing that. And that's why that phrase is there, by everyone and for everyone. The gospel's for everyone, for each other, all Christians, all church members. And we can all play a part in sharing the gospel, helping each other follow Jesus. It's by and it's for all of us, this discipleship thing. So faith grows, doesn't it, just in practice again, as we hear sermons and respond to them. Um, But not only that, it's as we read and share scripture in whatever way together, as we share a verse that's helped us, as we ask each other how our prayer life is going, as we meet in small groups, as maybe more of us begin to meet up just one-to-one or in triplets to pray and read a bit of scripture together. Raising discipleship by everyone and for everyone. Carol and I picked up this book recently, which um, is called The Glories of God's Love. And it's just a simple book with a kind of daily reading, but it's, it's rather lovely because what it does, it helps us to remember the gospel and relate the gospel to real life, to things like work, family, marriage, every day. I will have some more copies of this available next week for you, The Glories of God's Love. And that's the second theme of our vision this year, that we want to be raising up discipleship, but we also want to be resourcing it, because it it is about the ministry of the pew, all of us, not just the few, but we also believe, and the church council believe, it will be very helpful to have more staff 
with which to train and resource us in doing this together. So I want to invest in new staff as a church in this coming year, partly replacing ones that have left, uh, partly some new roles. And we want to do that particularly because full-time workers can be training and releasing the rest of us as workers ourselves. It's a way of investing in the few to reach the many. And particularly want to focus on how we can reach young people with the gospel and students with the gospel, um, because these are the generations, these, these are the, the Christian workers, the gospel workers, the leaders of the next, the rising generation. Very strategic work. Now, that investment in staff is going to mean quite an uh, ambitious financial challenge this year, and probably next year. Um, so in a few minutes, I'm going to hand over to Dave Appleton, our treasurer, to say more about that and, and our part in that. But that's our second heading, The gospel brings salvation to all who believe, that is, who already believe. And that's got implications for our disciple-making. Thirdly, though, here's our last one. The gospel brings salvation to everyone who believes. And you say, Richard, we've seen that already. We've just had that. We have, you're right. But it brings salvation to everyone who already believes, as we've seen, but also to all who come to believe who will come to believe as they hear it. Everyone, this is Paul's conviction, this should be ours, everyone who hears that Jesus died and rose for them, to bring them back to God and rescue them from God's judgment, and receives that message, is given new life in Christ. That's the gospel. That's the message. And Paul's passion is to share that gospel, not just with church members, but with lost people too. That's why he actually is writing Romans partly, because he wants this church in Rome to help him to bring the good news to people who have not heard it yet in Spain, elsewhere. But evangelizing, the long word, we call it sharing the good news, is therefore also helping lost people to hear of Jesus as well as helping each other to follow him. And of course, one apostle in Paul's day, one minister today, cannot do that. Um, I can only reach maybe maybe a couple of dozen people with the good news of Jesus um, in any one season. But as a church, we can touch and reach the lives of literally hundreds, thousands, with the good news of Jesus. Together we have contacts, don't we, across this community and this city and beyond. That's our third goal. Um, We want to release the gospel for everyone across our community and our city. Now, I'm aware that you and I, we're probably not Billy Graham. But we are still evangelists. We are all people, the word simply means, who share the good news. And we'll do it in different ways depending how God's wired us. Um, as we pray for someone to be open to exploring faith, as we look for chances to talk about faith with them, or just invite them to a mothering Sunday service, or an Easter service, or a Discover course. Uh, And that's why this year, under this theme of releasing the gospel, we are praying, each of us, for five people, just one for each finger on your hand, five people for opportunities to share Jesus with them. 
That's why we're offering services, as I've mentioned, like next week's Mothering Sunday services, to invite people to, to come and hear about Jesus there. That's why we offer Discover courses, um, like the ones we're doing at the moment, to give people a place to come and discuss openly and in a way that's re- relevant for them what Jesus means. So I want to make sure that all of our church activities, you know, our, our toddler groups, uh, our midweek activities, all of our church activities, include in them the chance to hear about Jesus. That's why we're looking this year at partnering perhaps more closely in future with things like the Jenny Lynn Project, working with some of the great work going on through things like English Plus, to help people in these ways to hear about Jesus. Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation, for all who believe. We want to see, don't we, hundreds of people hearing about Jesus and responding in faith to him as we go into the future together. And that's our vision. It's to... Can we just put it on the screen there, can we? It's to refresh our welcome, to raise and resource our discipleship, and to release the gospel for everyone. It's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. So if you're a guest today, um, and you're hearing about Jesus perhaps for the first time, um, please do take a gospel, um, one of the original documents about Jesus, because it is good news, and it's there with our conference, they're on the table there um, in the meeting place as you go. We'd love you to explore further. But if you are a member here, um, then please, we'd love you to do three things. And they're all really simple. Firstly, just talk to someone this week maybe someone that you know well in the church, in your small group, in your family, about one way you could just get involved with this vision. And the details of ideas for that are on the vision cards in the pack I've mentioned for you. So please just talk to someone about it, pray about it. Second, just pray for the vision this year. Keep that vision card somewhere in the Bible, um, on your fridge at home, where it will remind you to pray each day as we pray God will help us to release the gospel, raise up disciples, refresh our welcome of new people. And we're especially going to start by praying about that vision at Prayer Focus, as Jonathan mentioned, this Wednesday night. And then last, I've said it already, but please just pick up the vision pack. And they're there for you, there are spares. We'd love everyone in the church to have this information to read and pray about. Shall we pray together about this, this is a really important topic is this is not just about um, church budgets this is about gospel and lost people hearing the gospel and each other being strengthened to help each other follow Jesus more closely as well the gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes Lord we pray that We'll speak to our hearts this morning uh, about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, about our walk with him uh, and the people sitting around us this morning and, and each other's walk with him too. May we be stirred to uh, spur on and encourage and help each other. And as we pray for those five lost people, we'll Perhaps I should say the tens of thousands of lost people around us. 
give us a heart to share the good news, to see the power of God at work in them too. And as we think about our own response to what Dave's just shared, uh, Lord, may we, each of us, respond prayerfully, um, joyfully, and in whatever way is right for us generously, so that uh, the good news may be released to do its work in this church and this community, this city and beyond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.